Hey listeners, welcome back to Big Brain Hour. I'm Steve, along with Lincoln, and today our special guest is a TikTok influencer, Reagan Rychecki. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So she's probably going to talk about uh, some TikTok ideas, maybe how she got famous. Uh, but first, we're going to move straight into fan mail. Lincoln, if you want to take that away. Uh-huh. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, today, we are filming remote again, so... Um, please pardon us for any technical difficulties we have. We're still figuring this out, trying to follow those social distancing guidelines. And let's check out today's fan mail. Okay, it looks like we have two emails today. First one is from Chad Georgetown, and he says, no cap, the last, the last guest sounded like a man sandwich. Yeah, a lot of people would say that about Matt. Um, Matt is definitely pretty juicy, so I can definitely relate to that, Chad. And let's see. The next one is what shows you guys watching on Netflix right now? Oh, you see, this is a, this is a really good question. I was pretty excited when I saw this one in our inbox because recently I have been watching Tiger King. Ray, are you familiar with Tiger King? Yes, I'm very familiar. I'm currently on episode three. It's a fantastic documentary. It really dives deep into the whole, you know, tiger Cubs, um, everything, just everything Tigers, all the dirty work that goes on and kind of exposing a lot of different crimes. It dives into the illegal animal trade and private zoos and just honestly this wild story about the crackhead owner of a private zoo in Oklahoma basically attempting to murder someone is what I've gathered from it. So honestly, great show. Give it a watch. It's number one trending on Netflix right now. Steve, what about you? Um, you know, I haven't really been watching much Netflix, but haven't been kind of stuck at home. I've been streaming History Channel recently. Mm. And let me tell you, they've got this show called Pain Kings. Unbelievable. <laughs> they basically, they go around to different regions of the world and they like catch these animals that like sting and bite. And then they have to like rate it on their own scale. But I mean, it's, it's a good time. They get bit by like snakes and stuff. <laughs> Craziest thing I've seen. That's nuts. Yeah, I highly recommend. You guys should check it out. Yeah, it sounds pretty entertaining. That sounds like a cro- um sounds like a cross between Brave Wilderness and Jackass. <laughs> it kind of is. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's pretty, you know, I'm I'm impressed with how serious and like kind of structured it is for what they're doing. Is it pretty educational? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's on the History Channel, so they have to uphold those uh History channel. <laughs> Both those values. Yeah, they can't. I mean, they already host Ancient Aliens, so they can't have another show like that. <laughs> uh, I can't. That cannot be on the History Channel. It is. It's that can't be real. No joke. Ancient <laughs> Aliens is actually on the History Channel. Because <laughs> it oh is. Oh my gosh! The truth is out there. <laughs> it's just facts. <laughs> yeah, I'll just label it facts at this point. <laughs> okay so the, uh, to all of our listeners those are our recommendations um honestly we have really good taste so i definitely check those out okay steve want to lead us into our first segment today yeah definitely um reagan i think people would love to hear more about your your tiktok career as an influencer uh so i guess we'll start the conversation off with what do you find to be the most important element to getting big on tiktok yeah for sure so I mean, as with any craft, there are those who pioneer it, and then there's those who really perfect it. And I think to become a really big TikTok influencer, you really just have to be the one to perfect, you know, one of those TikTok dances, or just to 
just like perfect a duet. I mean, it's pretty simple, but there's definitely a line and a threshold you have to reach in order to truly become, you know, popular influencer on that platform. I don't. And what? Uh, I don't what would you say that threshold is? I would, you know. It really just depends. Like a lot of people go on and just think that, you know, if I really do get this dance down, I, you know, can surpass that and just become TikTok famous right away. But, you know, that's not always the case. I would say you just have to either one, come up with a very creative, you know, duet with someone famous. I find that James Charles and uh, Jason Derulo's TikToks are great content to work with. You can really make a great duet with one of those videos. Um, and yeah, I would just say working with content that's already there. You don't always have to create something brand new. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, Steve, I know that you yourself are also a TikTok influencer, <laughs> having actually a thousand followers on the platform. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience and how you found yourself with that many followers and being that influential on TikTok? <laughs> oh, you know, it's, it's quite the uh, burden, but also uh, it's, it's a, it's an honor at the same time, you know, having that many followers. But um, I think the most important thing, and I think Reagan hit on this is that you can't, it, it, TikTok, it's a, it's a weird realm where in order to make it big, you have to copy, but you have to like spin it in your own way. You know, you have to make it yours. But make sure to, like, follow the trends. Yeah. And honestly, anything really does go on TikTok. Like, any idea you have, like, you can make it into something great. And, you know, all you need is one video. And then once you have that momentum, there's really no stopping you. Like, I find, like, I found my first video. Hadn't, I've had the app downloaded for maybe over a year. And I know when <laughs> TikTok first came out, everyone was just really confused about it and especially i think in our age age group everyone was just like very confused you know what its purpose was and it was really dominated by like the younger realm but now i feel like people have really just broken through with it and just it's going crazy oh for sure and i've heard people compare it to i know i'm sure a lot of our listeners remember vine mm, oh yeah yep and I think it's very similar to that platform. but Yeah, honestly, I seem to remember a time when TikTok was mainly run by like seven and eight year olds yeah. putting like <laughs> Fortnite dances on. And I mean, I'm all about the emote. We all know that. <laughs> I love Orange Justice. I love the default dance. But honestly, TikTok was pretty cringe for me at the beginning. Like, it's not something I would go and watch really, really. It wasn't something I thought was even funny for a while, but... In the last six to eight months, it seems like older people have started to take it over. Celebrities have gotten in on it. And it actually is some of the best comedy being created on the internet right now, I have to say. Oh, for sure. Um, Reagan? I mean, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And all I'm going to say is combining the long face effect with the vibrato effect, I mean, that can take you anywhere. So to people who are trying... <laughs> to get TikTok famous, I would just say, you know, play with those two effects and see, you know, see where it takes you. Yeah, definitely get in the lab with that long face. Long face really gets me. I mean, that's <laughs> my favorite. Yeah, 
long face is definitely one of the, you know, prime effects. You know, what's so interesting about TikTok is a lot of it isn't necessarily original content. Um, because I've looked through both your guys' pages. A lot of it is, like Steve was saying, things that you have, you've kept up on the trends and you're kind of emulating certain things that are popular at the moment, but you do put your own individual spin on it. And mm-hmm. that's very important because I think if you are trying to, if you're just chasing some views, sure, you can just copy something word for word. But if you do want to build a brand on TikTok, I think it is important to put your own personal spin on it so that people can actually, so you actually have a value offering. It's like, oh, they're not just the same thing being redone over and over again. I think that's really important for people to remember because it is easy to just copy things you think are hilarious. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And one of the things I love about TikTok, and I think it does this better than any other platform, is it gets your content, even if you're just starting out, it will reach at least like 100 people. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Without having any followers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because see, on, on like Instagram, it is very hard to grow a page from zero to a couple thousand. Yeah. But on TikTok, it seems like most, like on Instagram, you primarily look at your followers and what they've been posting. You don't really use the Explore page as much, or at least I don't when I'm using it every day. Yeah. So it does seem that TikTok did do something right by having the Explore page be kind of your main feed that you scroll through. So I think that does help people go from zero to a hundred followers pretty quickly how it makes it so anyone can hit it big yeah for sure i'd love to bring it back to what you said earlier about the brand because Mm -hmm. even though it is so so easy to to blow up maybe once i mean it's it's really important to make sure you have your own unique style because that's Mm -hmm. what's going to sustain you to to major growth as as reagan has seen with her homepage. yeah for sure i'd agree with that yeah, and you know, that's something that I can relate to with the podcast. I'm sure you can see this as well, Steve. We do try and take elements of other popular podcasts. Like, I'm always I'm always trying to listen in on some other ones, some of the greats, some of the Joe Rogans of the world. Um, you know, some of the podcasts like that, that a lot of, like uh, David Dobrik, I try and listen in on his every now and then. I do see bits from them, and I'm like, oh, we could do that in a fun way on our show. But mm-hmm. I do, I always try and spin it a little bit so that we're not necessarily – just copy and paste of what's popular right now. And I do think that is important if you are trying to build a brand and not necessarily just throwing it out there for the views or for the listens. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. But, um, TikTok's definitely a fun platform. Um, you both have done some amazing work on it. Um, look for more great stuff. Yeah, for sure. I will be creating some more content tonight. So yeah, absolutely. And if you want to, Reagan, what's your, what's your TikTok name? If people want to look you up and follow you. So my TikTok handle is just at Reagan Rychecki. Go ahead and hop on, um, throw some views, some likes and yeah, follow for more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Reagan definitely has some fun content. I featured on some of it. Let me tell you, um, it's a lot of fun to get in the lab and grind some TikToks out. (laughs) It really is. There's nothing like it. Okay, so I think we're now going to lead ourselves into our next segment. Another business-centric segment, as we all know, we are entrepreneurs at heart, me and Steve, so we love to do things like this. Today's segment is all about things that make you think, 
what the hell is keeping this company from going under? I'm sure everyone has thought this at some point about a certain product or a restaurant, a chain. The first one I want to talk about is Juicy Drop Pop. <laughs> they have primetime commercials on like every major cartoon channel. And somehow, I've never had a Juicy Drop Pop, and I don't think I've ever met anyone that's actually bought one before. Steve, any comments on this? You know, I, uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember this. It was a long time ago. Must have been in high school. But I think we must have been stopping at like a, a gas station after like a, like a field trip or something. Yeah. Literally, I, I actually saw someone buy a Juicy Drop Pop. No. And it blew my mind. But that was the only time. That was the only one occurrence. Um, it, it certainly seems like a dated treat. Because I remember yeah. Drop Pops from like when I was in elementary school. And I can't believe that I still see them around. They're everywhere. They're in every they're in every checkout aisle of every major grocer, I think, on the in the entire country. It can't when be I real. Worked, no one actually eats those. No, I worked at King Supers for an entire year. Not once did someone try <laughs> to bring a drop pop at my aisle. Yeah. Did I you, up tens did of you thousands restock them? Oh yeah, we restocked them. I would restock them in the morning and I did not know where they were going. <laughs> they they half gone. Yeah. And the thing is, is, you know, you're in a gas station and you never see someone beeline for the Juicy Drop Pop. You see them go for more updated candy and more popular candy. Maybe a jerky or a Slurpee. Yeah, for sure. But no one is ever like, man, I could go for a Juicy Drop Pop. So it is confusing. It's like it's not that one sale that Steve saw that's keeping the entire company afloat. There has to be you know, an underground society, as Lincoln would say, that's keeping this company in business. Definitely. I think here's my problem with Juicy Drop Pop. <laughs> the, the, pop the pop is subpar, in my opinion. Obviously, I've never had one. The juice <laughs> is also subpar. So it's like, what's their core competency? You know what I'm saying? I think, if anything, it's like a fun packaging, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, but, it's, it seems like you're paying for the packaging more so than the actual item. But here's the thing. I can't even picture the anatomy of the Juicy Drop Pop packaging <laughs> in my mind. Like, I, I could not tell you or draw out what that Where does the pop like. go? Where's the pop? Where's the juice stored? All great questions. <laughs> you know, we yeah. might have to buy one of these. Because I'm curious now. Yeah, I gotta check it out because... Honestly, I've never seen someone eat one. I don't think I've ever seen someone buy one. Yet, they still have enough money to market on major television. So they're doing something right, and I need to find out what it is. Yeah, for sure. Okay, the next one I want to talk about is one that really puzzles me and has really, really had me confused for a long time here. The modern mystery in America. Long John Silvers. First of all, I see them around. Not once has someone said, yo, let's go to Long John Silver's. Let's go hit up Long John Silver's and get a fish sandwich. Not mm -hmm. going to happen. Mm -hmm. Steve, have you, have you been to Long John Silver's? Not to my memory. I don't think so. Well, see, the thing about Long John Silver's, it truly is just one of those unicorn fast food chains. Why in the world would your core competency be fish? <laughs> <laughs> That's one that confuses me really badly. I feel like fish spoils quite easily. 
I feel like you limit yourself in terms of the people that you're appealing to. And also, like, I just, most fast food places are located next to other fast food chains. Long John Silver's is not going to outcompete McDonald's ever. Yeah. Like, Long John Silver's is going to get clapped 10 out of 10 times when they're put next to a McDonald's. How are they even staying open? You know, it's it's a mystery. And I think, at least for me, the idea of, like, saying, you no, know, fast food is, like, subpar food, right? Yeah, typically. I th- I find fish to be somewhat of a subpar meat. And mm-hmm. then you, you put that on top of the fact that it's subpar food in general being more fast food oriented. <laughs> that just sounds awful. Yeah. It's like, wow, I'm really craving a Long John Silver's, like, fish sub. Like, no, I'm really not. <laughs> Reagan, do you even know what's on their menu? Yeah, I actually am <laughs> looking at it right now. It looks like they have shrimp, salmon, chicken, and oh. cod. Oh, so they've got chicken. They have one chicken dish, but that is it. That is the extent. It's almost like they're going for a cane-style menu. Mm. Just very few items. And perhaps it's all made out of the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it might be. I don't know. <laughs> so you think it's like gray mush that they press in the shape of a chicken or a fish? I do think that that is a possibility. Mm. I've, I've okay. heard things of, of restaurants like mislabeling fish like fancy oh, it's restaurants quite yeah i think that's quite common like i've heard that like 10 out of 10 times when you get like red snapper it's literally not red snapper ever because i think it's like big... yeah it's like overfished to extinction almost <laughs> and i think it's just some random fish and everyone's like wow that's some good snapper and it's legitimately just frozen tilapia from costco <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Long John Silver's, look, I don't know if you're a front for, like, some drug kingpin smuggling, like, millions of kilos of cocaine into the country or something, but we're on to you. That's all I'm saying. And if you even look at their reviews, every single, they average a 1.2 star (laughs) on most (laughs) sites, and the titles of the reviews, let me just read a few, rude and unreasonable employees, bad service. Terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> Whole restaurant was filthy. <laughs> Worst place to work, very dirty. <laughs> so as you can see here, it's not just, you know. It's not just the food from the sound it's of it. Not yeah. just the food. It's also the employees. It's the whole environment. It's a toxic corporate culture is what it sounds like. <laughs> I would say that's pretty accurate. I wonder, you know, the food might, the food must be pretty good then. For it to keep, I mean, based on those reviews, to keep that business afloat. Yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, it's what I'm thinking at this point. Unless, like I said, it's a front. It has to be. <laughs> it has to be because, I mean, cross food that just looks terrible. I mean, you're on the website, you're on like the, the menu of McDonald's, food just looks great, even though it's just never good. <laughs> yes. Like that, that burger looks so nice and you get it out there and it looks like it's been run over by an 18-wheeler and like a raccoon. <laughs> on it or something like that's what it normally looks like but like on the menu it looks good like long shot silvers looking at those images none of it looked appetizing (laughs) none of it it was all just like gray toned it just none of it even it looked like just a hungry jack 99 cent like frozen meal from king supers (laughs) and you know that's just not something i can live with 
Yeah. Well, I, I have a feeling it's probably the Juicy Drop Pop people that are also keeping Long John Silver. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're part of the same group. I mean, I guess we'll never know unless we get someone to infiltrate that group. <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it's strange to me that there are places like that that have, they seem to be just dinosaurs just plodding along in our modern world, just being left behind. <laughs> and somehow they still seem to be thriving, <laughs> still marketing aggressively. I mean, I don't really quite get it, but I think, um, you know, I'd love some of our users. Why don't you send some emails if you've ever bought a Juicy Drop Pop or eaten at Long John Silver's? Because I'm really interested in who actually does. <laughs> I think we, there needs to be a study published on this. I think this is something that um, the humanities would um, – this is the re- research of humanities would really benefit from knowing what type of person actually is sick enough to shot to eat at Long John Silver's <laughs> and I drop pop on the regular. So I'm really interested. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think I can stomach any more talk of Long John Silver's. So I think we're going to move into our next segment, which is an all time classic. A battle that I'm sure has taken place, but we've never seen it. Bigfoot versus the Yeti. Who wins? Who's the greater mythical beast? Reagan, first thoughts. Well, I guess first of all, you have them existing in two different biomes. Mm. You have the Yeti, you know, in the in the snow, in the Arctic, and then you have Bigfoot in just, you know, your average mountain environment. And I guess what I would think is that if you were to take the Yeti out of its natural environment and say, put it in the mountains where Bigfoot lives, I think it would struggle a lot more than if you were to take Bigfoot and put it where the Yeti lives. So I think Bigfoot just has this natural advantage because it can live through you know, cold and warm, you know, climates and occurrences. So I'm taking Bigfoot on this one. You know, if I may, it really seems like what we have here is Bigfoot as an ecological generalist. What I mean by that is it can thrive in many different sets of conditions. Where much like a coyote, a raccoon, Mm -hmm. rats, things like that. It can thrive anywhere from basically like ships sailing back and forth from, uh, Back in the day between Europe and um, North America, I mean, rats were literally chilling on those ships, surviving somehow. Mm-hmm. And rats can survive anywhere. And I think that's some kind of what Bigfoot is like. I mean, if you look at where Bigfoot is sighted, Bigfoot is sighted all over the country. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot has proven that he can make a living. He's a man on a mission to feed those kids, get that job, working that nine to five. So I think what Bigfoot has proven is that he's a grinder and he's willing to put in the work to make it to the top. I think the Yeti's a little bit too specialized, Little thinks he's a little bit too cool, mm-hmm. um, thinking he can only live in the Himalayas. So I think that's why I'd probably give Bigfoot an edge. Steve, what are your thoughts? You know, you make some interesting points. I might push back a little bit. Um, I think, Reagan, you claim that Bigfoot would be to to survive in the Yeti's environment. Um, I'm just, I, I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. I think the Yeti really must have thicker fur and is built for that harsh winter terrain. I just don't think the Bigfoot would be able to handle it. And as far as uh, if they actually got into an altercation, I do think that thicker fur 
that I'm assuming the Yeti must have, I think that would act as like a shield almost or like armor. And for mm-hmm. that fact, I think he would be, uh, he would outclass the, the Bigfoot just a bit. So I'd, I'd give him the win, the Yeti. So wow. this is interesting because the, the thick fur as armor argument came into play with the silverback versus grizzly as well. And yeah, I think thick fur, baggy skin, I think it is a natural armor. I think it the that's the reason why lions can't really even kill honey badgers because their skin is so baggy you can't really even hold on to them. So I think the Yeti that definitely could come into play. Um, I also think that the Yeti is reported to be larger than oh, the really? Bigfoot. If I was just, I was yeah. just about to ask that. Like, where is the adult Bigfoot or or Yeti? You know, maxing out. Yeah, so I'm actually going to give this a quick, um, quick search. I'm going to look, uh, see what the Yeti max size is. Let's see. Um, <laughs> Yeti coolers came up. It looks like 19,000 cubic inches. Um. Let's see. Yeti animal. Okay. Wow. There's a lot on the Yeti on like reputable sites. I mean, we've got Wikipedia, the history channel. If it's on history, it must be true. All the goats. Yeah. It must be. I mean, history was on ancient aliens before any of us were woke enough to realize it. You know what? They don't really have a max size for him. What would be your guess? They say, I'm going to say Bigfoot is like six to nine feet tall. I know the Yeti is purported to be larger than him. So I'll, put, I'll pin the Yeti anywhere between 10 and 13 feet probably. Hmm. Why do you feel the Yeti is bigger? I feel the Yeti's bigger because most eyewitness reports pin the Yeti as larger. So I do know, as someone who avidly watched Finding Bigfoot for all six godforsaken seasons of that show, mm-hmm. I know that they did um, they did an episode in the Himalayas, and the Yeti was much larger than Bobo, who is commonly used as the measuring stick for seeing how big he is compared to the Yeti sighting area. And um, the Yeti probably does have more size. Now, my question is, I do see Bigfoot as being a little bit more of a peaceful hunter-gatherer type, you know, kind of eating berries, eating kind of whatever you can find. The Yeti probably strictly feeds on meat is the other thing. Yeah, I would say the that Bigfoot is probably a pescatarian, mm. most likely. I just don't see Bigfoot really, um, you know, consuming that much meat. I could see him fishing in a stream, perhaps for a salmon. But the, you know, the small creatures that do live in the forest where Bigfoot may roam, I just feel like they're too quick and, you know, too elusive for Bigfoot to catch. And I do know what you're saying with the Yeti. I feel like he's, he's large. There's not really, um, you know, that many, that much foliage that the Yeti could snack on. So I would definitely agree that he's more carnivorous. Mm-hmm. Steve, any thoughts yeah, on this? I was thinking about the Yeti's environment. And there's not a lot of foliage or animals. So maybe he eats snow yeah. exclusively or rocks. Mm-hmm. So you think he's kind of in Monsters, Inc. I think is, is everyone familiar with the movie Monsters, yes. Inc.? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I know the Yeti is the keeper of the realm where they basically send monsters to be banished. And based off of 
that interaction they have with the Yeti. The Yeti eats strictly snow cones oh, in Monsters, right. Inc. And I think that is the closest thing to an academic text that we have on the Yeti. So, and the Yeti was very docile in that, in that, um, in that appearance, if you all can remember. So, I think Monsters, Inc. is probably our best and most reliable source when we are talking about the Yeti. And I think it does show that he persists primarily on a diet of lemon snow cones. Hmm. Very interesting point. But yeah, I do agree with that. So I think that can make him a little bit more of um, a little bit more of a wimp <laughs> compared to the Bigfoot, if you will. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Interesting. So you're sticking with Bigfoot, Lincoln? I'm going to roll with Bigfoot because I think combined with his ability to thrive in multiple environments, similarly to our friend the rat or a raccoon, the trash panda, um, I think he's just got a little bit more junkyard dog in him than the Yeti, honestly. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Yeti would really overheat in an environment anything um, with anything with a temperature even a, a bit over like sub minus 20 degree temperatures that he's from. Um, I think he just doesn't have the ability to adapt. I think he's a snow cone eater. I think he's a little bit more of a weenie than we give him credit for. And, you know, I've got to be a little bit biased. I, you know, I'm in the process of developing a one part documentary on the Bigfoot. So, you know, I've been doing research, creating, you know, content for the people. And I do find that Bigfoot is definitely one of those creatures that, you know, is just the alpha. And there's no getting around that. Certainly. You know, after all this discussion, I think what we might be handling here is is the classic debate. I know people have said, you know, what if we we fought a whale versus a, an elephant? Obviously, the, the whale would mm. win in the, in the water, and the elephant would win on land. I think that's what we have here with, yeah. with the Bigfoot and the Yeti. I think the Yeti, if he fought the Bigfoot in his, in his home territory, he might have a chance of winning. Similarly, the Bigfoot would probably dominate the Yeti if it were warmer temperatures, as you guys have said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think this is really just a case of apples and oranges. It is very difficult to compare the two. Um, it's not so much like the Silverback and Grizz where they're both from similar, um, terrain, similar environments where they both could realistically be in their element at the same time. So I think this is one of those that we will not know. We will not have an answer until we actually have it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think this is just one of those things it's best left unsolved. Um, hopefully one day we get to the bottom of it. And I, I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's some scientists out there really putting in some work trying to help trying to us make out it here. Yeah, for sure. Steve, want to wrap things up for us? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes. Closing thoughts. I think the one thing that we should take away from this episode is core competency, because as Reagan discussed with mm. with TikTok. Obviously, there's there's different things you have to copy, but there's definitely you have to make it your own. You have to make your own content ultimately, and I think that's what we we're kind of getting at with the with the business discussion is what is the core competency? Like, what is it that makes these companies stay afloat? Because we we're, when we're looking at it, we mm-hmm. we can't see maybe their best qualities, but obviously something is there that they have. And then the same thing with with the Bigfoot and the Yeti. I mean, each of them 
has their own unique abilities in their own unique area. And though they are similar, uh, we can definitely distinguish the two because they are, they have their core competencies that make them unique would be my. Yeah. And you know, yeah. So I think for all of our listeners out there, I want you guys to take this idea of a core competency, really take it to heart. I think all of us, I mean, the way you can look at it, if Long John Silver's as pathetic, as much of a bottom feeder as Long John Silver's is, even it has a core competency, apparently. So I'm just telling all of our listeners, I want you to find your core competency and I want you to build on it. That way you can sell yourself and you can grow into your best person, find your core competency, work at it until you become a master. I think that's the takeaway for today. I love that message. Great advice. Uh, Reagan, any closing thoughts before we wrap up? You know, just thank you guys for having me. I hope everyone is still, you know, social distancing. And, yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on here. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening. Everyone, make sure to stay safe. Make sure to keep social distancing. Wash your hands. Uh, We want everyone to be uh, safe and make it out all right. And uh, catch us next week, next Sunday. We'll have another episode. And until then... Stay big brain.